Hello. Well, I've just been looking at the dates on these little chats and I've realised it's three weeks now since I did the last one. I didn't think it was that far back, but um, with Christmas and one or two other things getting in the way, I've, I've been a bit lax on getting them done. I know towards the end, just before Christmas, I was busy with the narrowboats doing the, the Santa trips, but we successfully got all those done. And I don't think we had another problem with the the gearbox like we did the first time I touched the boat on the Santa trips when it broke down. I don't think that recurred. We've got plenty of oil and everybody knew what they were doing to get it fixed if it did go again. Needs a permanent repair though now. We can't keep going like that all through the different uh, summertime trips. No Christmas went well and... My birthday went well, New Year's Eve. And we're slowly getting back to normal. Christmas decorations came down, everything packed away for another year. We've had some debates about the Quiz League. We decided we'd postpone charity night, which should have been the first Thursday of the new year. I think that was the 6th of January. We decided we'd postpone that to start with. We didn't want to get over 40 people into one room at the same time under our um, organisation. I know the Derbyshire League on a Wednesday night have postponed the first three fixtures of the season first three weeks of the year we won't be out quizzing we had a discussion about the Thursday night one which I'm the chairman of and we decided we'd postpone that as well for the first three weeks mainly to see if any further restrictions are announced by the government or what's going to happen with Covid whether it's going to slowly fade away or whether it's going to come back with a vengeance and cause more problems. We thought it was best to be cautious, so that's what we've done. It'll be a bit of a wrench really, we'd all got into the swing of it and we're happily turning out every week to take part in the quizzes. We'll soon get back to it though. These things don't last forever, it'll gradually fade away. It's just that some, talking to different teams, some of the players were a little bit reluctant to turn out and sit in a, in a room full of people. Some of the pubs aren't so bad, they've got a private little room, so there was just the two teams who could sit distance from each other. And the question master. Other pubs, you were in the corner of a more crowded room and some felt uncomfortable for doing that. Can't blame them, that's, that's how it is. But that's how things are progressing at the moment, how things are going. But it's been a funny week in different ways, different things have jogged my memory about certain things. We were watching one of these programmes on the telly where it's talking about Top of the Pops from days gone by, refreshing our memory of the, the groups and the songs that we knew.
There was one on the other night, though, that wasn't an era that I remember very well. I think it was part way through the 90s. I'd, uh, I'd got a young family then and wasn't paying much attention to that. Too busy working and doing other jobs. I think in the early part of the 90s we were busy doing the new town hall, so I was really immersed in what was happening there. I was going away on training courses to learn how to deal with the telephone system and the voicemail system and everything else. So I was spending a lot of time away from home and a, a lot of time in the evenings drawing up plans for where different phones and different cabling should go. In the meantime, trying to do things with my children. So yes, I wasn't listening to music then. But part way through it, there was one group on that were making a right noise. And Elaine says, it's a wonder they don't go deaf doing things like that next to those speakers. And I says, well, that's what happened to who was at that time my brother-in-law. He lost some of his hearing running a disco. And she said, well, you've never mentioned that before. I said, what? that he's gone partly deaf. No, she says, running a disco. Oh, I said, that was something we did. Ooh, should have to think when it was that we did it. Uh, 1980s, probably. It was something that started with the Venture Scouts when I was still scout leading. And we wanted things for the Venture Scouts to do. Projects. <laughs> I know the first thing they came up with, they wanted to restore a motorbike. And then they decided they'd use the engine off the motorbike to power a go-kart. So the first thing was find a motorbike. Well, I turned up one night to unlock the scout headquarters for them to go in and do whatever they were doing at the time. I mean, we were lucky there. We got a snooker table upstairs, a proper one that... Uh, had belonged to the the club that used the upstairs room of the scout headquarters. When they left, they didn't bother moving the snooker tables. Well, they, I think they took one but left the other. So the upstairs room became a bit of a club room. We had a table, tennis table, we had a snooker table, dartboard and all the rest of it, and we ran it as a youth club for a couple of nights a week. Anyway, I turned up this one particular night with a for the Venture Scouts to do what they were doing. And one of them came walking round the corner, pushing a motorbike. I said, what are you doing with that? He says, well, this is what's going to be used for our project. Right, and what are you going to do with that? We're going to take it into the Scout Hut. So you can't leave it outside, it might be pinched. I said, well, is it? startable, rideable. This is well it would be eventually, it's got to have a bit of work done on it. Right. Whereabouts are you going to keep it? Oh, we'll put it in the back of the club room upstairs. Uh -huh. I said, you do realise it's uh, a set of stairs to get it up and there is a right angle bend part way up the stairs. Yeah, we'll manage it, we'll be right. 
Do you know how heavy a motorbike is? I think it was a 250cc one. Don't think it was any bigger, but I think it was a 250. Anyway, they started. There were only three of them to start with. And they got it up the first bit. They managed to manhandle it onto the little, the little landing before it turned at right angles and went up again, up a steep one to the door at the top and into the room. Well, I could see they were struggling and a couple more of the mates come and there was quite a gang of us there in the end. But of course you can only get so many round a motorbike on a set of stairs to pull it up. Because they were only normal sized stairs, they weren't big wide ones into a... weren't like going into a ballroom or anything like that, they were just ordinary wooden stairs. So by means of different pulleys and ropes and everything else around the legs of the snooker table and round a beam in the roof and everything else we rigged up a set of ropes and slowly we inched it up the stairs and got it into the club room big sigh of relief we'd made it i said you do realize as if you're going to put that onto a go-kart you've got to try and get the go-kart downstairs bit of silence there well we'll just do the motorbike up then and get the motorbike working uh-huh are you going to ride it down the stairs like a trials rider when it's done or have we got to leave some of this kit available so as we can lower it down by ropes yeah good idea then yeah we'll 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 leave some of the stuff we'll work out how you set the ropes up and we'll we'll do it that way so there it went it went up into the upstairs building it's a shame really I'd sort of got married and moved on elsewhere before I saw the outcome of it I don't know whether they built anything whether they got it going or what they did in the end anyway as I was saying we were talking about it and I said well the other project we did was we built a disco unit with the Venture Scouts we got two turntables, sets of speakers, wired it all up, connected it all up and got it working. And between them they all decided, yeah, let's advertise it as a disco. Let's go round and advertise as we can do, different functions. We can go and play music for people at different things they want to do. Disco nights, part, you know, birthday parties, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I know somebody that does stamps and printing and rubber stamps, that is, that you mark letters with and whatnot. So I said, I'll get some business cards printed and you can publicise yourselves a bit. So they did. They called themselves AVS Disco. So for quite a while I was a roadie. Because I was the scout leader, I'd got the car. I got an estate car at the time, which was brilliant. So we went to all these different places, lobbing the speakers and the disco unit in the back of the car. Setting it all up when we got there. 
wiring it all up, doing the sound checks and everything. Well, as it went on, different Venture Scouts left the unit, got beyond the age group to be there, and they drifted off. And my ex-brother-in-law decided he'd stay on, even though he'd left the age of being a Venture Scout, he stayed on, and he said, I'll, I'll run the disco, I'll run it myself. Well, when they were still doing it under the Scout banner, they could only accept donations, they couldn't charge. But my brother-in-law took it on and revamped it and did it as his own little enterprise. Added more lighting to it and such like, and he became quite professional at it. But because he was so close to the speakers and doing everything, he did gradually lose part of his hearing he did start to go slightly deaf. But that's the gist of the tale that I came up with when Elaine said, it's a wonder people don't go deaf. But also from that point of view, Elaine sat there and she said, so you used to go around wiring up the speakers and setting everything up? I said, yeah. She said, so you've never told me that before. So you'd already been doing work like that before you came to us and we set up the entertainments agency she says you'd already been taking people to gigs before you started doing it for us i said yeah yeah years and years ago yeah i never knew that she says you've never told me that story before i thought i had but obviously i hadn't it was news to her that uh, I'd got previous experience of uh, the entertainment industry, albeit brief and on the sidelines. Another thing we watched was a James Bond film. And right at the end of it, they thought they were in a secluded area and nobody about. And then somebody appeared and shouted and a whole load of soldiers stood up out of the grass. Nobody could see them, they were all camouflaged and disguised. And then they all stood up. And I thought, yes, that's another one that brings back memories. In the old in the area where I used to work years ago, we'd got an army barracks. And because I was with the local authority, we, we used to drive in and do different refuse collection work in there and those sort of things. We had different jobs we had to do as a council within the barracks. And because of my job as work study, organisation and methods, call it what you will, I went with them on several occasions in the lorry. I went all over the district in different lorries doing different work assessments and such like. But this one day, I, I remember it very, very well, we didn't go in through the main gate. I don't know how they did it, but we came in through a, a gate at the back somehow. It was guarded and they let us in. It wasn't... We didn't sneak in. We probably got shot if we did. 
but we entered the back of the the area and it was a big field that led you down to the main barracks and the barracks square and all the rest of the buildings so we came in at the side of this wood and drove down into this field all was quiet not a soul about and we chugged slowly through with the lorry when all of a sudden somebody shouted not to us but it was an order of command it was a shout and about 50 blokes popped up out of the undergrowth and out of little mounds of just what just looked like a pile of leaves or a clump of grass and all these things suddenly jumped up and sprung to life and there was a there was a soldier with a machine gun standing there I looked around, I looked at these and I looked at the driver and I said, oh, for God's sake, tell them we're friendly. And you could see some of them as we went past, they were laughing at what they'd done to us, frightening the life out of us. So, yes, certain things like that still stick in my mind and it just needs something just to trigger it off. Things that probably I'd semi-forgotten but something in a film or something on the television or something that somebody says just triggers a recollection and you think oh yeah yeah that happened didn't it and these are some of the things that I like to try and put into the conversations we're having when I talk to you now but it's amazing how things crop up I mean, this morning I've been out play pigeon shooting. As I say, I go to a local club and we've got our own bit of ground and we do a bit of shooting. Now, yesterday was an awful day. It rained almost continually all day, sometimes very heavily. So I was a bit doubtful whether I'd go today or not, but today dawned dry and nearly sunny at times. In fact, as the day went on, there was a little bit of sunshine during the morning. So I thought, yeah, it could be worthwhile. Now, it uh, obviously put some of them off because there was only five of us there. So we didn't stay too long. We just uh, set a couple of traps up, had 50 shots each at various stands and various difficulties. And that was it. But I think this morning we turned it into a form of water sport. The field was totally waterlogged. Some places it was a couple of inches deep in water. Others we could stand relatively above the water line, but in, uh, in very soggy, soft ground. Didn't deter us. We had a great time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Always do. But during the course of conversation, I uh, I was talking about the Santa trips on the canal boat. And I said, uh, yeah, I said, uh, something I'd not seen before. I think the, the conversation started, actually, from um, one of the fellows that goes. He's in the same fishing club as me. And um, we were talking about a stretch of water that we both love. Thoroughly enjoy it. He was saying how he enjoys 
putting his rod down for a few minutes and looking at the nature around him. The Mortimer and Whitehouse programme on the television was one of the things we were talking about, saying how it's not necessarily a fishing programme, although fishing is the subject. It's about two pals going out and having fun, enjoying themselves, having a bit of banter. And it's most enjoyable for that. And he was saying how he does the same thing. How he sits and watches different birds in particular. He always talks about the dippers as down there. Now he enjoys watching dippers as they come along the river and go from rock to rock or perch to perch and have this habit of bobbing up and down. Why they call them dippers. And I said, yeah, it's... Uh, I've seen the odd kingfisher down there as well come flashing past, just a flash of blue as it goes along the canal. Well, the river as it is there. I see them a lot on the canals as I'm taking the boats about. But along the river there, I just see the flash of blue as they fly along. But I said, funnily enough, when we were doing the Santa trips at Chesterfield, there was a kingfisher that came and sat under the bridge just below the lock. I mean, there was people walking up and down all day and people milling around the lock just above as they were coming and going to the boat or going to the visitor centre, having a coffee or whatever. But just under the bridge, a kingfisher came and settled. And according to some of the others, it was there a few days earlier when they'd been down. Well, normally you'd see one on the bank and as soon as anything got anywhere near it, it'd fly off. But this one sat there on the edge of the bank under the bridge. We could only assume there must have been a lot of fish in that area to keep it so preoccupied. But during the course of the day, it disappeared a time or two, but it kept coming back to the same spot. Now, normally when the boat goes past, kingfishers fly off. This one didn't. I was on the tiller steering and taking it across and I could have reached out and picked it up. It was so close to us. And it never moved. It just sat and watched us go past. Most unusual. And I was talking about this and one of the other fellows says, yeah, he says, I knew a bloke. He did say where he lived. He says, he's down so-and-so, he says, but I fell out with him. He says he'd, he'd found a kingfisher's nest in the bank of a river and he'd dug it out so he could get the eggs for his son, for his collection. Now this was in the days when it wasn't illegal to have birds, nest, birds' eggs. Quite a lot of the youngsters in those days had climbed trees to get, a, get an egg out of a nest and collect them. See who'd got the rarest, see who'd got the most. I never caught on to that myself. But he was most upset that this fella had taken the trouble to dig out a kingfisher's nest of all things. You know, he, he saw it was okay to get magpies or wood pigeons or those sort of things where there's plenty of them about. But he, he objected to, to doing it to a kingfisher. 
I said, well I, well, I never got into it myself, was doing egg collecting. I mean, it's illegal now. But I never got into it myself. I'd look for the nests and I'd look at eggs in the nest, but I never took any. I was more interested in where they were and what they were doing rather than actually pinching an egg. Now I know when I was, the family was still at the farm, one of the people there as a youngster had got quite a collection as they'd got. They'd grown up and gone and lived somewhere else, but they'd left this egg collection behind. There was all sorts in it. And I was quite impressed with how, how many they'd managed to collect around the area. I don't know what happened to them. I suppose it was a bit like other things. They'd got various stuffed birds that one of them in the distant past had shot at some time or other. They'd got proper glass display cabinets with various birds in that had been shot on the what was then an estate and stuffed and mounted for display. I think when they left the farm they asked one of the local schools if they wanted it for their their displays. Schools had turned it down now, but in those days it was acceptable to have those sort of things as nature projects and nature studies. There was all sorts in them. Pheasants and coots and part, I think it was a couple of partridges and those sort of things. But it just goes to show how certain things click in your mind. I mean, even that conversation, somebody started talking about how he'd enjoyed the Christmas episode of Mortimer and Whitehouse, which led me and the other chap to talk about the area where we go fishing, which led me to talk about a kingfisher I'd seen at the river, which then led to talking about the kingfisher on the canal side, which then led to talking about pinching birds' eggs, that reflected me back to the farm and the collection of eggs that we had there. And I'm thinking, how the heck did we get to this point when we started talking about a fishing programme on the telly to having a collection of birds' eggs and stuffed birds. We just slowly drifted across absolutely nothing to do with the clay pigeon shooting we were doing at the time. But that's how it is when we're there. We meet up to do clay pigeon shooting but we're just a gang of pals who go out. Depends how many are there but a couple of hours, two and a half hours at the most. On a Sunday morning we do a bit of shooting and we have a lot of banter, a lot of laughs, and just talk about anything that rambles through our brains. And that's what I like about it. If I want something quiet and I want a bit of time to myself, I'll put the rods in the car and go off to the river or the lake and spend a bit of time fishing. Time to myself, 
time to relax. Probably do a few casts and a few bits of fishing. Then depending where I am, I'll sit and look along the river bank or if I'm out on a big reservoir, I'll get the, take my binoculars with me and have a look at the, what's happening on the other bank or further down and see what, what's happening around me, taking nature. If I catch a fish, it's a bonus. It's being out there exercising what I would say is a skill of casting and using the rods, using the line, using the reel. It's all a skill, all something acquired. If I want something that taxes the brain, I go out and we do the quizzes as a team. And if I want something that's a bit of banter and a bit of a laugh, I'll go clay shooting. That isn't to say during and after the quizzes we have a, a banter and a bit of a laugh as well. We don't take it that seriously. As, uh, as a friend of my dad's used to say, we're not playing foot down all clock. So we don't take it too seriously. I don't know where that expression came from. He always used it. If it was a bit of a bit of fun or a, a friendly game or something, and say, "Oh, we're not playing for town all clock, lad. We're all right." But yes, that's how it exercises the mind, doing all these different things. I like to think it keeps my brain working and not deteriorating. Doing these does to a degree, because I'm rambling away, I haven't really got a set pattern of what I'm going to talk about. I don't have any notes nowadays like I tried to do at the start. I found it was more natural just to ramble on with what come into my head. And I find that as I'm standing here talking about one thing, something else is at the back of my mind saying, talk about me next, talk about me next. And that's what I do. Sometimes I reflect and think, well, I've just done 30 minutes worth of absolute rubbish. Another time I'll think about it and I thought, yeah, there was some interesting stuff in there today. Something nice. But I keep trying. I thank you for listening and I hope I'm doing enough to keep it going for you. We keep trying anyway. Anyway, I'm looking at the clock. I've had me, I've had me half hour's worth. I can only push me luck so far with you. So take care. Talk to you soon. Ta-ra for now.